back to Edie's Big Brexit Questions podcast, the six-part mini-series in which we explore the impact of the UK's exit from the EU on various parts of the UK's green economy and environmental legislation. After a short hiatus for Edie Live, me, that's Edie's reporter Sarah George, is reporting back for this podcast, which I am co-hosting with my colleague, our content editor, Matt Mace. And um, they say 24 hours is a long time in politics, but two weeks is an age. Um, In the time that we've been away to put on our flagship show, um, our Prime Minister has (laughs) announced her plans to step down. And media outlets have been taking the stance of either sweeping Brexit under the carpet to cover President Trump's state visit or covering exclusively his key talks on climate and trade deals with Theresa May. Um, So it is timely to be bringing this podcast back for our fifth episode, in which we are talking all things low-carbon transport. You probably know at this point that transport is the most emitting sector in the UK's economy at the moment, having overtaken power generation in 2016. So in today's episode... Claire Hay, the Chief Executive of Greener Journeys, gives some advice on how policy and business can work together through Brexit to change that. Great. Well, thank you so much to Claire for joining us today. How are you doing, Claire? Oh, very good. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. No problem. And whereabouts in the world am I calling you from? Well, uh, I am currently based in Limehouse, in, uh, just, just near the city um, of, of London, so I'm right in the centre of, centre of things here. Okay, great. Um, so yeah, just to kick things off, could you explain a little bit more about about who Greener Journeys are and what what you guys are are trying to do around transport? So Greener Journeys is a sustainable transport group. We're particularly focused on um, the carbon reduction value um, of modal switch from um, car to more sustainable modes of transport like buses, walking, cycling. Also very focused on cleaner vehicles. Um, so that's another part of uh, what we look at. Um, and generally, I think we're about um, creating a, a, yeah, a really a more sustainable transport system. So one, one, a system, a transport that is, that is economically, socially and environmentally more sustainable. Um, and that really, I'm afraid, does involve um, you know, better use of roads um, and, bluntly, um, fewer use of cars. Mm. Um, how have you seen that mission progressing um, since the Brexit vote, I mean, since since then we've seen um, we've seen new national legislation coming in in the form of Road to Zero, new regional initiatives in the form of um, London ULES, for example, and a lot of new mm-hmm. company commitments. But but broadly, what do you think has been going on um, with green growth of transport in the past three years? I think it, looking at the figures, um, so if you look at surface transport as a whole. Um, it's not an area that's doing particularly well um, in terms of carbon reduction. Um, I mean, I think the big picture is it's important to stress that um, the UK you know, does have a good record on climate change um, and committed to, um, I think, whatever, wherever we go with Brexit, I think this, the gender will, will, will stay and we've got the you know, grand challenges, the industrial strategy, all of that, very focused on, on clean growth, which is good. And there has been big progress made, but the surface transport area is, is an area which has really been highlighted where there hasn't been uh, as much progress. I mean, that uh, is, 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 a, is an area where policies are going to need to really ramp up 
um, you know, if we're going to meet the, even the existing fourth and fifth carbon budget targets, I mean, obviously the road to zero, um, you know, as it sets out a good strategy, but I think the Committee on Climate Change has been quite critical um, that, it, that it hasn't set out clear enough plans mm. and that policies are going to need to ramp up. Mm-hmm. So looking, you know, specifically at my area, as it were, you know, the, the area that, that, that with the work we do sits within the surface transport. So last year, emissions from surface transport were 6% higher um, than in 2013 and 4%. I mean, that means flatlined, actually, over the last two or three years. But, you know, overall, the progress, the trajectory of surface transport is not good. Mm. Um, so last year, the CO2 emissions from new cars rose for the first time since 2000. Um, and actually particularly concerning is increased use of SUVs, but, more, you know, I think 18% of new cars SUVs, so that's not good. Um, I mean, the progress, um, looking at the surface transit, is in, in terms of vehicles. I mean, particularly on the mass transit side, there's been very good progress on buses. Um, mm-hmm. So we've got more than 5,000 low-carbon emission buses in operation. Um, you know, last year, just just last year in 2018, uh, 4.2% of, of buses were actually new buses with zero, zero emission at the tailpipe. Uh, which is much compared much better to cars, which was uh, less than one percent as when cars were zero emission at the tailpipe. And my overall, I don't think I think it's worth, with or without Brexit. The problem we've got is that nothing in current policy um, is is doing enough to encourage that crucial modal switch from car um, to sustainable transport. I mean that's completely missing in, in terms of policy. I think. Um, you know, there, there has been some progress in terms of vehicles, but overall, um, you know, the trajectory is not good. And, and I would say one of the key reasons for that is there's nowhere near enough being done um, to reduce car use. Mm. And, and have you seen in that time a response from the people that are operating these vehicles? So, f- so for example, in the waste management industry, there's been a lot of questions from companies about what will be the new regulations? Can we have some clarity um, on, on what will happen? Are you seeing that happening within the transport sector? I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, I mean, on, bre- you know, on the sort of carbon side, I should, I should say there's, there's quite a bit, a bit of course, as you mentioned, you know, I mean, on air quality as well, which I think mm. we should possibly look at too. Uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, you know, uncertainty is the key word, isn't it, at the moment? But, you know, what's going to happen? Your standards for new cars, vans, HGV emission standards, and all that when, when we leave. In fact, one of the things, we need tighter, clearer targets um, beyond 2020 for those. I mean, on the air quality piece, um, I mean, I think before Brexit, um, you know, the UK was already in hot cool, you know, was already under the cost or whatever the expression is, um, in terms of, you know, air quality. I mean, I think it was 2014 that the EU Commission began infraction proceedings against the UK for for failing to meet air quality targets. Um, you know, for nitrogen dioxide, you know, but I think since, you know, in terms of the time frame of the last three years, we've seen the European Commission has referred the UK to the Court of Justice, I think it was last year, for failing to respect the limit values for, for NO2. So, we, you know, there's a lot of pressure on the air quality side. Um, so that's another big piece of this clean growth when it absolutely applies. I mean, I think that the, the air quality, I suppose, is, is more of a, an immediate public health emergency. Um, the, the carbon is, is, is clearly long-term. But we do really need, to, whatever solutions we have, need to address both, need, need to really tick both boxes. 
Mm. Um, and both boxes are ticked um, by modal switch from car to sustainable transport. None of that um, is, is, is there in the guidance uh, for, for any uh, of these different policy areas. And mm. one of the things that we've been particularly vocal on, um, on the air quality piece in particular, you know, government, you know, under pressure from the courts and, and, and actually a lot of other kind of clients there and others as well as the EU, has been um, clearly instructing uh, local authorities to come forward with plans um, for clean air zones. Um, but the guidance um, has really put cars only as a last resort, you know, buses first, cars last, you know, behind vans, you know, when really the guidance really ought to be the other way around. So after all, diesel cars and vans together are by far the lion's share of, of, of toxic NOx emissions. Um, and whilst the cycle that, you know, all of the, the vehicles, the, the larger vehicles absolutely clean up as well, which they are absolutely doing and need to do. Again, the modal switch piece is being missed. Mm. So I think um, so I think quite a lot of lots of different points there, but, um, but they, they, are, they are all very much interlinked. Yeah, and you talked there about the willingness of groups such as yourselves to tick both of those boxes, the carbon Absolutely, and the yeah, air quality, yeah. and for local authorities as well. But is that something you've been seeing by businesses um, within the sector as well? Sometimes we should really sort of say, I mean, that there's been some big progress and a big opportunity for UK manufacturing here, actually, as well, which I think is getting missed in all of this, particularly on the, on the big, the larger vehicles, the buses in particular, there has been enormous progress. And that's been helped by sort of public, public and private investment, mm. private sector and public. But, you know, the, to be fair to government, there's been good investment has gone into clean buses as well. But when you look at the, um, on the air quality, from the air quality agenda, the Euro 6 bus is fantastically clean. Um, it's 95% uh, fewer NOx emissions than the Euro 5 bus. So it's really good. Um, and, you know, a modern diesel bus, the Euro 6, you know, fewer emissions overall than a modern diesel car, despite having 15 to 20 tonnes of carrying capacity. So that's great on air quality. Of course, you know, the, the real thing is that we, is, is actually the carbon and the reducing carbon as well. Um, that's the kind of, and that's where I think it's also really positive that we've seen such progress, you know, in the bus sector, particularly on low carbon buses as well. So there's been good progress. It would always be good to go faster, um, but the kind of investment that you'd need to really ramp that up, I mean, the bus sector at the moment is struggling with declining patronage, um, so it would take a lot of um, government investment you know, of an order of magnitude that we have just not seen um, to really ramp up. And we're seeing good incremental improvements, but to get to really get the, the opportunity and to, to, to really capitalise on the agenda, actually, deliver all the other wider benefits, the social and economic benefits of modal switch, because I think there's a lot wrapped up in this, um, much more government investment is needed mm. than has been hitherto forthcoming. Although I, you know, I say that, at the same time I, I would stress um, that, that it has been very welcome. The government has invested in, in you know, clean buses. Okay, great. And then I wanted to ask... Um, Lastly there, so you talked a lot about um, a big focus on clean buses and maybe not a lot of focus on modal switching in spite of yeah. that. Um, and then also about electrification being one of the grand challenges under the industrial strategy. Indeed. So what, what do you think is the big goal or target that the sector is working towards 
at the moment and do you think that's likely to be impacted by us leaving the EU so in some areas like natural capital it's been argued that oh the Brexit is gumming up um, change whereas in others such as waste management they're now having to rethink about a more local economy and different business models altogether so in that aspect it's speeding up perhaps positive progress so what what's it like um, in your in your area so I mean if I look to find my areas that were the sort of the surface transport particularly the sustainable transport within that um, and what's needed right now I've just I've mentioned buses particularly and this is a lot of our work has been focused on, on buses and we clearly need a national bus strategy um, we've got national strategies for all other modes everything else walking cycling rail you know car everything there is no national bus strategy, so that, that's, that's a big omission. It's very helpful that the Transport Select Committee has recently concluded from its buses inquiry that government needs to have a bus strategy. Um, the Committee on Climate Change has, has highlighted the, the need to reverse the decline in bus patronage as, as a, and, and a need for a national bus strategy. You know, calls are coming thick and fast on this. It's something we've been calling for along with a lot of other groups within our sector. That's one big thing that we need. So a strategy that will include, you know, protection for you know bus revenue funding, increased funding for local transport. Now, I think really important area here is integrating local plans for housing, employment, and growth. Uh, having all of that, you know, much more secure long-term funding settlements to local areas within which buses would be able to really play a big part. So increased investment in local bus infrastructure, I'd say that's a real big win on clean growth. Fantastic return you get. I mean, as much as sort of eight pounds for every one pound invested. Um, Modal switch we've, we've spoken about, I and mean, we just got to really ramp up that, that any national strategy for buses needs to be part of that sort of modal switch from car to sustainable transport. We're using things like mobility as a service and other sorts of innovation to reduce car dependency. Um, but then the big one, um, the really big ask that uh, it sort of sits within but goes way beyond the bus strategy is, is really demand management. It's road pricing. It's changing how it's, it's getting it's getting the fiscal incentives right. It's getting at the moment. I mean, what we've seen, for example, some research that we've done that the, the freeze in fuel duty, mm. which was supposed to after all be an environmental tax, it's been frozen since 2011. As, as a result, as a direct result of that freeze, we've got four percent more traffic. 4.5 million additional tons of CO2, you know, fall in public transport use, um, you know, of between 1 and 2 percent, so that's like up to 200 million fewer bus journeys, 60 million. These are the sorts of, as I've been saying all through this interview, really, the, lead, the, the signals are all going the wrong way. The freeze in the fuel duty is just the perfect illustration of that. Not only do we need to unfreeze the freeze, we've really got to look at how we price roads for roads. This is certainly not a, not a problem that is unique the UK, um, we know how toxic um, messing with fuel duty can be. I mean, just look at the yellow vests and what happened in, in you know, it's in Paris. And, you know, if, if, you know, that was the big, the big thing, the sort of straw that broke the camel's back for Macron, wasn't it? Mm. It's, a, it's a very, it, it, it is politically very contentious. You know, you ask me, so what's the big challenge? I mean, that, that, I think for me, and from our perspective of sustainable transport, the big challenge is, get, is getting the, the levers the right way. I mean, the extent to which Brexit is going to affect or not, I mean, I think the, question, the answer to that question is how committed are our leaders to 
across, across the parties to um, keeping this agenda, the climate agenda going, you know, keeping this as a high priority. I've been very encouraged by the, um, the impetus, the momentum that's been building over the last few months. It was great to see the Committee on Climate Change coming out with net zero. It would be great if, um, if the, you know, the UK continues to kind of be, be at the helm and, you know, move to a even quicker net, net zero target before Brexit. I mean, whatever happens, but, you know, to just keep on that trajectory, because after all, you know, we, the UK was the first country in the, in the world to have a sort of legally binding treaty and the Climate Change Act, you know, was, was a breakthrough. And so I think we've got a good track record here. So I think, you know, the, the key thing is, you know, will the will leaders stay, stay focused on that? I hope that they do. And if they do, um, inevitably, they are just going to have to face um, the, the, this, this big conundrum around um, how we price for our roads, because after all, you know, surface transport is one of the big, big headaches. It is, it's been very stubborn, we're, we're, it's where we're seeing very little progress. The modal switch agenda is really coming of age, and I think that's what, what I would say is, I, I, don't, I, I think my, my, my answer is I don't see Brexit um, changing the focus, but it's just a question of how, you know, how quickly we can go on that. And really to what the extent to which you know, all politicians will say that at the moment it's all looking good, but we've got to keep the pressure up. So, you know, all the UK parliaments have declared an emergency. You know, we, we, I mean, I think just today, I mean, we, we, we had a letter from 162 MPs to the Prime Minister, you know, asking, you know, the, the PA, the, you know we should host COP26. Mm-hmm. It's the, becoming a theme of the leadership race. We've got John McDonnell saying that, you know, UK companies failing to tackle climate change will be delisted. You know, it's from the stock exchange. So it, all, all the right noises are coming out at the moment. No, I was going to say there isn't a more timely time, really, that I could have had this interview um, with you with everything that's been going on. But we are actually out of time for now. So thank you very much for taking the time to call in today, Claire. Thank you very much. It's been good to talk to you, Sarah.